Hey friends, thank you for joining us for Focus Fireside, a series where we sit down with a Focus Lab team member to learn more about their role, their perspective on branding, and important lessons they've learned. I'm Janina Ramirez, the Business Development Manager here at Focus Lab, and today I'm joined by our silver tongue scribe and brand writer, Wade Livingston. Hope you enjoy. Dr. Livingston, I presume. <laughs> Sorry, Wade, I really couldn't resist. As soon as I know I was talking formal. to you today, I had to start out formal and I had to start out with a classic because, you know, who doesn't love that? How are you doing today? I'm good, G. How you doing? I'm excited. I'm excited because we're going to talk about we're going to talk about writing today. As we all know, there are a lot of conversations surrounding the visual side of branding. It's what the majority of people assume when you're referencing brand or when you're talking about brand. But as we know, that's just a piece, a small piece of the overall equation, right? So today we're playing in prose and diving into the verbal side of branding. See, I had to do a little alliteration there for you. I'm giving you gifts, wait, giving you gifts. I'm super excited to get this started. So if, you, if you're ready, let's, let's chat brand writing. Well, yeah, I'm always ready to, uh, to, to swim in the old, the old prose pool there. So let's, let's go take it <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah. So let's start it off real simple. What exactly is brand writing? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And like, it's, it's definitely one of those ones, you know, when, when you're talking to friends or, or, you know, folks you're meeting for the first time, it's like, what do you do? And then so you describe it. And, and I, th I think, I think our friends on the visual side do this too, but like, there's almost like a therapy component to it. Right. And, and yeah. I'd say that in the most loving and, and admirable way, because so much of what we do isn't writing, it's talking, it's listening, a lot of listening and really finding like the right questions to ask people. So Instead of like just pure writing, I, I would almost describe it as like a dialogue that we help a, a brand, you know, create within itself and for its customers. It's an, it's an internal to external thing. So, you know, culture is a huge part of, you know, the authenticity that they bring to the table in terms of their vibe and their ethos, you know, and, and beyond just like the, the product features and, and, you know, the benefits that, that they can actually, that they're capable of through their technology and stuff. It's, it's really who they are and being able to express that true character in the most genuine way possible. So I, when I think of brand writing, I think that's what we do. I think we help them um, develop that story. I think we help them, you know, really uh, discover some pretty cool ways that they've maybe never thought about themselves before. I love that, that it's more about an authentic dialogue than just putting the proverbial pen to paper. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. And I think you hit on something that I think is really important, which is the fact that it's, it's an internal and external dialogue. A lot of this is really going to impact culture, how people refer to themselves, right? How the organization refers to themselves, their teammates, what they value. And then likewise, doing that externally, really going to shape all of those external communications. But it starts first with an understanding of who they are, right? It's not just about features or, you know, new products. It genuinely starts with an understanding of who they are and really then building off of that. So really, really having an authentic dialogue. And I think that's important because I think if people just hear about brand writing, they're like, oh, so you, it's, it, you're writing for the website 
And like, I think they just kind of like leave it at that. I like the way you kind of explain that. But as I kind of touched upon when we started talking, you know, we mentioned people tend to think of brands solely in terms of visual identity and expression. So why do you think it's important to place an equal value on how a brand communicates? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. And and look, I mean, I, I know we live in a very visual world, right? I mean, so, yeah. so much of how we entertain ourselves, how we communicate, it's so visual in nature. So I definitely understand that and place a lot of importance on that. You know, when I think about like viz and comms, I think some folks separate those things. And and I guess the way I see it is, is we're all kind of different instruments in the same orchestra, right? Yeah. I think we really come together to to tell a more compelling story when we're all hitting our high notes and when we're, there's a lot of synergy and, and just some good jamming that's taking place there. I think what's beautiful about words and visuals working in concert with one another is the, the story is fuller and it's, it's more clear and precise. And when I think about a brand's ability to resonate with its customers, to really not only grab somebody's attention, but to keep them there. Yeah. To have all the instruments, you know, in, in tune and, and singing together because the, it, it, the sound is just going to be so much more powerful and it's going to help you rise above the din of, of other brands that, that might, I would hesitate to call them houses of cards, but maybe just haven't had the opportunity to develop as much fully internally, externally, visually, verbally. Words help you put a finer point on things. They clear up messages. I mean, we like Nike. We like the swoosh. We like just do it. And man, you know, don't both of those things just make you want to get off your butt and go run? I really hesitate to separate the two. I just try to see them as how we all work together to really be our best. Yeah, they're almost like both sides. Like they're each a different side of the coin. It just isn't as impactful if you're only focusing on one, right? You're losing an entire, I mean, we don't just communicate in day-to-day life visually. We don't just communicate day-to-day life verbally. We communicate in a myriad of ways. A hundred percent. And that that user experience is key, right? I mean, like sometimes with the visual, you're going to want to sit with that for a hot second and really think about it. Your mind can go different places. Sometimes with words, we really need to convey a quick, and clear message that's going to complement that visual and help steer the thought in the right direction. So that that's pretty key right there. And I mean, I, I know we'll probably talk about this later, you know, in terms of verbal visual and how our teams function, but man, it's how cool is it just to be able to jam with the designers, right? I mean, like get a writer and a designer in a room and like some weird conversations happen, like they're fun. <laughs> Like I'll say something weird and the designer will be like, oh man, that sounds cool. Maybe I'll do this over here. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty weird. Let me do this over here. So I mean, you just get some folks who have very different lenses and very different creative takes and abilities. You throw those together and you just get some cool stuff. I love that. I think that's a really good segue because I would love to know if you could speak to the experience as a writer here at Focus Lab what it's like to work in tandem with our strategists and our designers, because we do not have all of you working in silos, right? It's not just like you and your writing bubble, designers and their design bubble. You all are working together. And I feel like that really does impact the work. So tell me about that. Oh, dude, it's a great question. And I'm like, I wish you could come and sit in on one of our concept and expressions meetings. You know, a a project team's going to have a strategist, it's going to have a writer, it's going to have a designer, right? In addition to the project manager. And, you know, the, the, the strategist, the writer and the designer for that project get in the same room via Zoom. 
And then we invite some other colleagues who are writers and designers to come in and play in our sandbox for a little bit. And I mean, like, like there are mood boards and visuals happening, you know, in Figma there's, I'm typing out stuff in Google documents, all these, all these, you know, just beautiful bits and particles of creativity are starting to explode and come together. And it's, it's honestly, it's one of the most enjoyable experiences I have in my work is getting to jam with those folks in that space. And for our clients, the result for them is, you know, it's, it's going to come out in that kind of first round of visual strategy where they, they really see like maybe two, three, four, depending on, on the situation, distinct mood boards. And we start to put some words around those and some stories and emotional resonance around those. And when they see those for the first time, like it's pretty magical. Eyes will light up. You get those nice wrinkles in the corner of your mouth because you're smiling too big, all that kind of good stuff. Sometimes oh, yeah. a while will furrow because people be like, damn, I never thought of it that way, you know? But it's it's really cool to see the output from those concept and expression meetings. And that just really sets the tone for how we collaborate throughout the entirety of the project. If I'm working with Bud Thomas on something, he's going to say, hey, wait, I got these images. You, you got a second to riff on some like proto copy headlines for me for these? And 10, 15 minutes, we just sit there and riff. I mean, how cool is that? You have that random moment in your day to be able to do stuff like that. So really gets the juices flowing, helps you recharge and, and no day is, is the same. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, I also love to point out for people who aren't aware that we are a fully remote distributed team. So all of these collaborations are happening over Zoom, right? Over Slack, they're all conversations. But I think the fact that there is such a level of intentionality to ensure that there is that collaboration, that people are weighing in, that we're not just looking at a brand through one medium or one lens. I think that's a really big part of it. And sure, it would probably be easy to just kind of like go heads down, do your thing, put the work together. But that's not where the success is really going to come out of that's not where that I feel like that resonance that you're talking about isn't built in that silo isn't built just by like one person kind of going heads down and creating it's a lot of conversation with your peers with people from with different points of view and I think you really hit the nail on the head and we have that level of intentionality just in the way that we work here because it's worth hopping on the zoom call or having the conversation and it's enjoyable I think there's so much stigma around like remote meetings and I don't know, I think we have a good bit of fun and yeah, yeah. really cool ideas. A hundred percent. I mean, it's a blast. I think you do your best work when it don't feel like work, you know, yep. and that old sports editor who would, who would say, Wade, sometimes when you're, uh, when you're not working and you're working, sometimes when you're goofing off, you're actually kind of working. And he, he was right. You know, Greg, Greg Bowers, my old sports editor, he, he was right. You know, you get yeah. in the room with designers and strategists. And you know, the strategist is kind of our quarterback, you know, um, helping us steer the ship. And, and then, you know, the designer and I are kind of jamming together and, and we're all just triangulating that stuff. And it is a really, really cool experience. And the, the output is just something that's super special to see. Oh, yeah. And, and you, you don't lose any, yeah, the remote stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, li listen, this is my first fully remote gig. I, I don't feel like anything is lost in that. Oh, I, I like that. Out, yeah. I think it's just figuring out how to use the tools you've got and find new ones that help you, you know, level up and plus one. Yeah, I think it's, you have to be willing to try some things out, see what works, get rid of the stuff that doesn't, 
and just continue to kind of innovate in that way to find a solution that makes the most sense. Cause then it just feels natural. Then it just feels like you're working here. And I like that you brought that up. Cause I mean, I've been working in this way for a while, so I didn't even like, oh yeah, it's newer for you to work fully remote. And it doesn't feel like you've lost anything. Like, like you don't have coworkers, like you're producing work all by yourself. I feel like the work that you and the team are putting out really speaks to that. It's, I think it's pretty great. That's just me looking from the sidelines. So as a reminder for those listening, because obviously we're talking about brand, but I always like to kind of add a little bit more clarity there because, you know, branding is separate from marketing, especially I think when we're talking about writing, that's where I think some people can get confused or they just want a bit more clarity on, well, what is, you know, brand writing? Is it like writing marketing copy? So we like to say a lot that the work we do here is a precursor to marketing. Branding really sets the foundation for you to produce incredible marketing content, copy, all of that. So let's talk about that a bit. How does brand writing relate to or impact marketing? Yeah, super good question. And I want to circle back to a couple of things we talked about earlier, because I think it kind of informs that, that conversation. You know, the first is that notion of maybe helping a brand be introspective and figure out who they are and what they are. Like that, that's yeah. key. Right. I, th I think that's super important. And then the, the second part is being able to tell a full and emotionally resonant story. Those two are connected, layered that on top of our process. And so like when you, when you get into a, a client project, we're spending like two or three months with these folks, you know, and so you, you develop some intimate relationships, but, but the process really begins and is intentionally designed to start focusing them internally. And, and that's because again, I think as, as folks who have, you know, depth of knowledge of branding, we're able to ask them questions that they maybe have not thought to ask of themselves. So if we can, if we can tease out those questions and suss out some pretty cool answers to that, we start to develop a fuller picture of who they are. And you know, that, that process starts internally, right? Like it's positioning. It's how they want to be perceived, how they want their customers to, to view them. What are they offering? That differentiation. You know, it starts, gets into core messaging where we're looking at, you know, purpose and, and mission and vision statements. What's their goal beyond making money? What do they offer to the world? What do they want to see the world be in five or 10 years? And these are some deep questions. Yeah. If you're a brand and, and you haven't had the opportunity to grapple with those, we haven't had the opportunity to grapple with them in a hot minute. It's a cool opportunity to be able to do that. Now, with some, some folks who work with you as guides on the side, you know, as partners and, and hype people, uh, we, we help you see things and kind of like pat yourself on the back a little bit, like, dude, you're doing some good work. All that to say, I, I think, you know, when you think about the difference between brand writing and marketing, marketing is that, that backend expression that's designed to make a sale. You cannot hook a customer and make a sale if you don't have the substance that undergirds it. And that's what we help you do is we help you find and hone that substance. And that's, that's what good brand writing does. And the cool thing about our process is because we do start internal and go to more externally focused copy. Clients often do get some like, just like almost like bonus content out of us. Like one of the coolest deliverables we, we offer is the brand story at the end. And that's, that's the amalgamation of all our work, right? Everything's coming together. Your core statements, your USP and your value prop, your voice and tone, all that stuff. Again, all those instruments playing in the same orchestra, right? Yeah. And you've got this beautiful brand story. 
And Dad Gummit, I know, like people take lines out of those brand stories and use them for headlines and eyebrow copy. You got to have the substance. And uh, I, I think we naturally provide a little bit of that, even though we're really more focused on the ethos, the storytelling, the culture piece. Yeah, I think it's really important. I, it actually kind of circles back to something you said earlier, which is it's not just enough to grab their attention. You got to keep their attention. And 100%. I think that's what a lot of this foundation, the substance, you might grab them with something, but you really need to keep them. You need to turn them into somebody who is not only there to use your product or service, but is excited to become somebody who's going to talk about it. Somebody's going to kind of then stay with you as your company continues to grow, to change, to offer new solutions to them. So I think that is definitely something where when people get concerned, we're like, we don't have the time, especially in this world. Everything's about moving as quickly as you can. But if you don't set the time to build that strong foundation, some things are just going to fall a little flat. You're going to grab attention maybe in the short term, but not in the long term. You're not going to have that level of loyalty or depth or authenticity that you kind of already talked about. So I feel like that's I feel like that's really important. It's not that brand writing and marketing are at odds with one another. They actually, I think, fundamentally support one another. And when you have them both, it's really when you can put out the best content, right? Because it's actually going to resonate. I mean, that's what we're doing right now, right? We're, we're engaging you know, in some marketing right now, you and I. And it, 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 it feels authentic because it is, damn it. Because it is. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we literally enjoy sitting in the same room and, and learning from each other and talking about what we do. And that's yeah. our company culture, you know? So it's, it's yeah, it's, it is, it is they are related. Yeah, they definitely are related. And that absolutely is, it doesn't feel gimmicky because it does come from a place of authenticity, your values. Like there is that foundation that you just ultimately pull from. Right. And then we have great conversations like this. 100%. So as we kind of talk about what you've been working on, mm. are there any overarching themes, trends, even challenges that you see our clients kind of facing in the future through the lens of brand writing? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Let me start out by what I see currently in my work. Yeah. And, maybe that, and, and, and Janina, this is, this is probably a good point to make too. You know, we talked earlier about viz and comms and how they're kind of working together, right? And yeah, it is interesting because we, depending on the client and their unique needs and how we can best, you know, serve those needs, some clients come to us and they, they do need more help on the visual side. Others need more comms work. I mean, I've got a client right now and, and the emphasis is on the comms side right now. And, and that's cool. I get it. So all that to say that I think, I think there's a few things. I, I think to your point earlier, I think sometimes we do tend to get a little wrapped up in just what something looks like as opposed to what it is. And again, I think that's a, a byproduct of us living in the visual world. I think another challenge that I see out of, of clients is sometimes so much of their best content, their most, with the most personality, with the most distinction is reserved for the about page. I can't say in our deliverables, how many times I've pointed out, like you have a really cool story you're telling here. Any chance you want to move just to touch that out to the homepage so we can give people a taste, you know, let folks know your, this really neat backstory that you've got. That's one of the challenges I see, kind of helping move some of that stuff forward. And then on top of that, I think the, the more global challenge is because we're, we're dealing with tech companies, dealing with B2B tech companies, 
the, the competition is so fast and furious for them and product features and benefits are so important and, and as they should be, I'm not minimizing that. Sometimes there's a little reticence to dive into those more personality driven and emotionally driven storytelling from the, both the visual and the verbal side. And I think that is, that is a challenge that I think we're well equipped to help folks overcome, but you, you gotta be human, you know, yeah. you gotta be human. And I, I definitely see that as, as something that, that folks continue to, to grapple with going forward. Yeah. I definitely think given the clients that we work with, I mean, we live in B2B, right? That's, those are the challenges we like to solve. I think that is definitely something that has always been kind of a challenge for B2B as a whole, right? Is the fear right. that it's business to business. So we need to focus solely on products, features, bottom line, because we that's what we have. That's the time that we have. When in truth, like you never sell to a business. You always sell and speak to a human, to a person. Right. It's right. always a person on the other line, right? And I think, you know, in B2C, that's very well understood, right? But in B2B, there's still kind of that, and there's a little bit of fear surrounding that. Like if you stray from that, like, does that make you less professional? Does that make you not geared to sell at the enterprise level? Does it all of a sudden kind of remove you in a certain way? When in truth, that's actually what a lot of people are hungering for. And it's a huge differentiator in these furious, crowded spaces, right? Where right. it's just a features fight. You can be the one rising to the top because you have something more to say or a rationale behind or a mission that actually ties all of this together. That could be the thing that really pulls you apart. And it's again, it's not about just making something up because it's bold and cool and trendy. It's about 100%. having an authentic dialogue, right? And that's really where it comes from. But I think that is definitely, definitely something that I could still continue to be a challenge, but you mentioned it like that's that's the kind of stuff we live for like that's the stuff that we get excited for like let's help you through that right yeah i i mean like i remember reading one of our strategists haley bridges who's just brilliant and 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 super fun to work with she's a, i remember one of her deliverables one time she turned a phrase it was like you, you know we got to get you out of this basically she said we got to get you out of this you know quote unquote sea of sameness i don't know if haley came up with that but i was like damn that's good you know like that and i just i you know, I've used that phrase now, you know, as, as it, when we're talking to a client, you know, in, in, in person or, or rather on Zoom, you know, in one of our client meetings or even in, in my own deliverables. But but she's right, you know, just to be able to break out of that is so important. And, and that, Janina, to your point, that's where that that humanity, that authenticity comes into play, you know. And, and then, too, like, I'll go back to my old sports editor, Greg Bowers. He said, don't ever be boring, you know, <laughs> don't be boring. So, I mean, be anything but boring, right? Yeah. So. It's true. I think particularly in this moment in time where we've dealt with so much upheaval, turmoil, people and organizations, you know, they're a bit more risk averse in certain situations, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you just want to kind of, the sea of sameness is the same, but it's also safe, right? right. So you're in the... Seemingly safe. safe. You're Seem seemingly, and that's the kicker, right? right? You're seemingly safe, right? You're right. here where everyone else is swimming, like everything is fine, like Obviously it's working, but is it actually? And I think a lot of what we do here is we take every kind of challenge and see it as an opportunity in disguise. And I feel like that's what a lot of this is, right? Is understanding that actually it's not so safe, right? It's not something that's 
going to kind of help you reach those goals, right? We have a lot of conversations around future trajectory and goals and what, you know, you want to see your business achieve over the next several years, not just the next few months. So I think that that is kind of a big part of what we do here and what you guys in particular tackle with communications work. Because I do think that is a particular area where you work into becoming so valuable, right? Because you are really kind of driving that narrative and really kind of helping people set the stage for differentiating in that sea of sameness. That's right. As we're kind of closing in on our conversation today, I kind of want to ask a little bit more like personal questions for you. So the first is, what do you enjoy most about your role? Gosh, my first thought honestly went back to like key pieces of content that I get to write. You know, I mentioned the, the brand story. Yeah. Watching it come together is really cool because that, that, that work represents, of course, the work that I've done, but it also represents like all the insight that our visual folks have brought in. It's strategy and it's, it's the client. Like, I mean, like that's, that's the client story and like, they've been a huge part in helping me craft it. So I just, I get to be this kind of like vessel for them, which is really yeah. kind of, you know, and, and kind of channel some of that, that good energy. So that's, that's a really fun thing to create for each client. And they're all so different. So that, that's pretty cool. But gosh, what I love most about work, work doesn't seem hard when, when it doesn't feel like work, you know, I mean, I just, so much of what we do is very like intellectually and, and mentally taxing, but the, the level of collegiality we have, of support we have, of just assistance that we provide each other, everybody is always rowing in the same direction. And that's really cool. You don't see that at a lot of places. And so I've very much appreciated the ability to always be able to tag somebody in and to be tagged in from time to time as well. So that's, that's a cool thing to see. I love hearing that because that speaks to that core value of ours all over ego, right? right. And, and, and empathy and action. I think those in particular are so present day to day. Again, we're talking about brand here, right? Brand carries throughout the entirety of a company, every touch point. I knew I wanted to work at Focus Lab when I saw all over ego reflected in the dadgum application process. I mean, I think one of the questions on my, my job app was, and I hope I'm not giving any secrets away, Kelly Gruber. <laughs> I am. Spoiler alert. But it was, it was like, you know, we've got these six core values. You know, which one resonates with you and why? I've never had a company ask that expressly on a job yeah. application. And there's that, that shows real care and intention to string that culture throughout every part of our process and extend it to the client. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. You have to live your brand, right? Like it has to, it has to actually be something. It is like a living, breathing thing every day within your organization. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, I've been here at Focus Lab since before our rebrand and after, and I have always loved the culture here. But you know, when you go through a rebrand, I can really understand also what our clients have gone to. like. It's almost like we're given this set of tools to better express how we feel and how we work, then have this to lean on and guide us day to day. I mean, we talk about our core values all the time and it just, it helps drive exchanges. And I do think it's something very rare and special here. I actually talk about it with a lot of leads when I'm on calls. It's the fact mm -hmm. that we do pull together as a team that it's not about who gets the credit at the end of the week when we're sending the work. It's about us pulling together, producing the best work possible for our clients because we understand 
the huge honor it is to work with them, to understand what it is to have bring somebody in to work on something as personal and integral and foundational as your brand, right? We understand the importance of it. So we don't take that lightly. And I think that's where the core values will come in. But again, like that's our brand. 100%. And, and it's how we recruit. It's what we look for. It's what we want to express. Like you mentioned, like that ability to want to work for the, for the client, to own that. I mean, that's, that's huge because I mean, like literally when we get to the end of a project, I'm writing that brand story. I'm getting the, the final deliverables are starting to come together. Like, I don't want to say like I'm getting emotional over here, but like I have an emotional attachment to that client and that brand. And like, it is a bittersweet moment where I'm like, man, we've had a real good time jamming together. And now I don't get to jam with you for a, a little while, you know? So Sending you off out into the world. There's, there's very much like you develop that, that relationship. And like you said, gee, you know, it's, it's the, the trust that people place in us. Like we recognize that and appreciate it. Yeah. 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 And on that note, which actually ties nicely to my last question, which I love to kind of ask everyone, is there any advice you'd like to share to anyone embarking on a rebrand? I think the key is, in my opinion, is, is to just be very honest you know, with, with yourself and, and within that, that project team. I think if you can look at your company, your capabilities and your culture with clear eyes and really communicate within that, I'll, I'll say it's a safe space, you know, what we're about and able to do and what we want to represent. I think that honesty is, is really key to, to creating a strong footing for a brand. And then Janina, like we've talked about earlier, just, just having the, um, a little bit of courage and a little bit of trust that, you know, we know what the heck we're doing and we want you to succeed because that's, that's our, our reputation too, you know, and, and just that, that courage to be a little human, to be a little different and to not be boring. So that's what, that's every time for everybody, myself, every day included. So. Ah, oh, that is a beautiful note to end on. Wade, it was a joy and a delight to chat with you today. I can't wait for everyone to hear this. Yeah, dude, it's been a blast. <laughs>